Yo fam, Coach Sam, Strong Jans Coaching, back with another episode for you guys. And on today's episode, I got a guest. His name is Coach Greg. He's a lifelong friend of my father, and he's a badass human being. But before we get into it, if you could please leave a review for this podcast if you haven't already. I'm trying to grow this podcast to reach as many men as possible, and I need your help. It takes a tribe, man. So please leave a positive review and share this episode with two friends. Coach Greg, what is happening, my man? How are you? I'm doing great, Sam. I appreciate you having me on. I've been following you uh, on this on this podcast, and I, I, you know, I talk to your dad often. And I'll tell you, I've listened to so many people on podcasts, and so many people. I'm just shaking my head that this is not this is not reality. But I think I had shared it with you. I'm like, you are you are reality, and I'm not saying that because you're my best friend's son. I'm saying that because I can be objective about it, and and it's extremely extremely. Um, pleasurable for me to listen to your podcast and and watch your instagram post at the gym because you're doing it the right way and and that's why i you know i i i'm excited to be here to talk to you about it and anything else that you'd like to talk about man well thank you because that means a lot you know coming from you because you know i looked up to you when i was a kid um i always saw you as this strong you know dad figure you know this mm-hmm. strong guy you're always tough football coach every time i was around you 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 presented yourself you know, i always tell this story of you showing up to the house to do like some smooth furniture or something for my dad and you were all you were dressed nice and your hair was done and i was yep. like what are you doing and you were like you never know who you're gonna meet in life and to this day that is impacting me every time i go out i wear my hair nice um so hearing that from you man i appreciate that thank you so much you're welcome um so you have been a football coach for how many years now Oof, total i've had a couple of breaks in between but i've coached for 28 years and you are working in the school system your entire career, correct? Um, well, no, I actually, when I graduated college, I graduated with a business degree and a finance degree. So I worked in Manhattan for a short period of time. And I recognized that was just not my lifestyle. And that's when I went back to go to become a, uh, a teacher and a coach. It's funny because my, I didn't want to be a teacher. I wanted to be a coach. But I'll never forget my high school coach, Rich Mosca. He was my high school football coach in Middletown South my sophomore year. I remember him saying to me later on when I was in college, right after I graduated college, that if you want to coach, you have to be a teacher because that's where you make your money and that's how you make your living. And he was right, you know, and at the time I was so interested in coaching that I was so singularly focused that I was going to go back to school and get this degree. And I did it in one year, banged it out, going to two different colleges. I did it all in one year total and I got my, my teaching certification. That's actually, that is, that is wild. How many credits yeah. in one year? I had to take, I took uh, 41 credits and I took full what? loads, full boats, full boats, one straight year through. And I did it in 12 months. Was school like easy for you or you just? School to me, to be honest with you, at that time, it was total memorization. I'm, I had a great, mem- I had a great ability to memorize things. Like I can remember in undergraduate school when you would get a, a topic for a test and they would tell you the topic and you'd have to write in those little blue books. I don't, they don't do that anymore. I don't think, but we had these little, these little blue writing books and I would literally write the entire thing out five times, 10 times. And as soon as I got to class, boom, by memory, I'd write the whole thing. That's how I studied. I studied by pure memorization. Now I didn't remember a lot of this stuff when I left, but who cared at that point? I'm like, hey, you were just doing something to do it. It wasn't like my favorite classes were economics. So I, I loved economics. So I really paid attention more in economics and, and 
absorbed it differently. But these other courses that I was required to take, I just banged through them by memorization. Everything was memorization. I'm, I'm just a little curious, you know, because I train a lot of dudes who work in finance, you know, because I'm in Jersey. We live right near the city. So it's so, yep. so good work over there. You know, what what about that lifestyle? Did you just click and say, no, nah, it's not happening. It's not. not happening. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to divulge some information. Um, I just it was just a feeling. I grew up in a very strict family. And, and I got to be honest, my dad was very, very strict man. But he was also a very honorable and honest man, okay. you know, and, and he lived an honest life. He worked, he, he was a provider. He provided and, and he reminds me, your dad reminds me of my dad in a sense where when they're focused on something or when they have a goal to achieve, nothing's going to stop. And they're, they're honest to a fault. Like he was very, he never shared his life with me. Like you just said, your dad is finally starting to share. I still don't know things about my dad. I'm 53. He's 79. That's just the type of man he was. But the lifestyle that I saw going in there, the people, it just wasn't me. You know, I am not a loud, I'm not a salesman. That's not who I am. And I recognize in that line of work, you had to be a salesman and you had to be, I'm going to say, dishonest to be successful. And that's just not something I want to do. That was my experience. Now, someone else could have a totally different experience about it. I'm not putting down that that field of work at all. I'm sure there are many people that are great human beings. It just wasn't my the lifestyle that I foresaw myself living for a long period of time. And so you jumped into the teaching. Now, what teaching role did you jump into? Well, I, I decided that I needed to find the quickest way to get into education at that time. And that was in 1993, I think I went back to school. And I was to become a teacher, a special education teacher. Because I had a degree in economics, which was considered a social science. So I was, I fulfilled a lot of requirements because of the classes I took in my undergraduate classes. But I recognized that I could become a teacher. I can become a, a special education teacher with a, um, I, I would be able to teach math because of my finance classes and I would be able to teach social studies because economics is a social studies. It's totally different now. Back then I did emergency certification. I taught for a year in Burton County Special Services in Hackensack, which was a great experience. It was a tough place to be, but it was a great experience. And that took care of my student teaching. I didn't have to student teach it. Plus I got paid for it. They don't do that anymore. Emergency certifications, I'm 95% sure you can't do that anymore. But as soon as I got that, I th that was done. So now I just had to take the classes. So I actually taught before I even started taking the classes to become a teacher. And then I banged it out in one full year. And then I got hired at Long Branch High School. That was my first job. Damn. Um, so yep. the career of special education, I mean, that's tough. You're working with people with, you know, a uh, population that things don't like click. Easy, mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about good. Sorry. I was just going to say you being someone who's so like on point, you know, like it was, working with that population, did it teach you any life lessons? Did it, you know, have you learned anything? Has it taught you patience? What, what was the biggest? Oh, key gosh. I, I always say when I'm making a joke to people, I'm like, no matter what I do in life, I'm going straight to heaven because of my teaching career, you know, because it's for someone like me, I'm very regimented, very time oriented. There's a certain way to do things. It's black and white. There's not a lot of gray area. Again, it may not be right, but it's the way I, that I do it. But I've been successful in my career because I hold myself to a standard 
that I think, you know, the, the, the kids that I teach, they want to be disciplined. They want to be pushed. They want to be challenged. And I think that you're never, there are some of them that will never be great students. It's just not going to happen. But I always felt my role as an educator primarily was to teach, first of all, men, boys had to be men, and to teach women to have self-respect. And I think that was more important to me than the education part. It was the process. It wasn't the actual learning about history. It was the process of using your brain to make decisions and, and teach yourself how to, how to um, what's the word I'm looking for? how to come up with things that you can't read in a book. Like, I don't care if they can list five presidents, but my thing was the studying part is what the important part is. What you do in that period between you're asked a question and come up with an answer, it's the in-between that's the work. You know, that was just my philosophy. Get these kids to, to recognize and understand that you have to do work to be successful. No matter what level, you have to do work. So that that was one of my main things. I am not, I admit it now, I've been teaching for 28 years. I never took a history class in my life. Everything I've learned over the past 28 years is just by being in the classroom. So if you have a, someone who's been a history teacher, they will, they will destroy me if I had to take a test next to them. But there are things that I can do in the classroom that I believe they can't do. And that's, that's mold, mold our adolescents to understand how you're supposed to act in life in certain situations. I do it to this day. It's my, that's my most rewarding part of teaching in my, for me, that's the most rewarding part. So you said something, you did say something interesting that you said like these, these kids, you know, and I, this, this, you know, the strong gen stuff is for people 18 and older, but I think it relates anyways, right? You said that, uh, you know, you could tell these kids want to be pushed. They want mm -hmm. discipline. They want to be challenged, right? I Maybe you, you're in that world, so you could tell me. But from the outside looking in, from what you see, from some of the kids I train, it feels like things have turned the tide. And now it's not about the challenge. It's uh, it's about inclusivity. It's about being right. it's about being safe. It's about right. you know, like making sure everybody's okay, right? So feels good. Feels it, good. Feels good. Like how. How do you think that has impacted society? And, and do you think, do you think, I know you're, you're about to go on a rant. I'm going to go on a freaking diatribe right now. A diatribe. But I think it's important, man, because you work with younger people who want right. to be challenged, right? And we're not giving it mm -hmm. to them. And I think that people mm -hmm. who aren't challenged fold when challenges of life present themselves. So what, right. what are your opinions on that? Um, what do you think people could do to... Yeah, increase that discipline and challenge in their life, even when they're out of school, when they're older. Right. This is a multi-part question here. It is. I have I have witnessed the educational system kind of change in the past ten to fifteen years. Back in the day when I started teaching, it was this is what you have to do, and this is if you do it, you will pass. If you don't do it, you will fail. I would say since the since, and this is going to sound so, I'm going to go on this rant here, and I, I, I this is my, this is my observation. Trying to be as level-headed as I can. As soon as technology got involved in school, which means cell phones and computers, it changed the entire way education um, is is done now. But beyond that, society has changed. Like you can look around 
everywhere you go, you see things that 15 years, 20 years ago, people would be like, what's going on here? Now it's accepted. So society, because I don't blame the, the kids either. I blame the adults in this whole situation because the adults are the ones that should be guiding these kids with certain principles um, and certain ways of how to act and responsibility. But you hit it right. We have come into this entire, over the past 10 years, and especially since COVID hit, we have now, our focus in education is the social and emotional well-being of the students. That's all fun and games. That's all fun. That's all good. But that's a small part of education. Because now it's, okay, Johnny didn't pass. Give him another opportunity to do it. Well, what did you do to help Johnny even further pass what you did to help him? It is The responsibility has been placed on the teachers more and more over the years to make sure that that kid, no matter who it is, no matter what their learning ability, what their behavior is, and what their attitude is, we're responsible for them. So we've taken the responsibility of the student almost totally off and put it on the teacher. That And if, when you have 30 kids in the classroom, it's impossible to do that. Now, I could do that left and right. Give me one-on-one, two-on-one, I'll change everything. But when I have 30 kids in the classroom, it's almost impossible. So I think what you said, the um, this IND stuff, this inclusivity and this diversity and the social and emotional well-being, we have safe places in school. I think what this does is it, and I'm sure you've heard the saying, weak, weak times create weak people. We are in weak times right now, and we are creating weak people, adults and, and you know, younger kids. And it's just, it's unbelievable. It's, it's really unbelievable how that happens. And I've witnessed it happen more and more over the past 10 to 15 years. I think there is uh, I think there's some, there's something going on. I went on a little rant on my Instagram the other day um, when my dad told a story about him losing his job, getting laid off mm-hmm. uh, and then having to scramble, you know, raising three kids, one that wasn't his own. Um, I remember. Had, yeah, I know going through a divorce, you know, and still living in the same house as my mother at the time. And they yeah. weren't on good terms, obviously. Uh, having yeah. two mortgages, one house that he did not want, and having to take two jobs that sucked, two night shift yeah. jobs, one that was yeah. 12 hours long and one that was eight hours long. He was working six days a week, still coach football at the time. And I went yeah. out saying that, uh, you know, because I work with people who complain about how the, they have to go to work two days a week. Right. People who complain about going to the office two days a week. And you know, know, dad, you know, going to two night shifts, six days, freaking week, um, just because he's supposed to do it. Like, <laughs> like it's like, and you know, there's, you're making my point. My next point, the, the line between being a man is being so blurred. Like you are a man, you are, it is your duty to do certain things. That's to work, to support your family. That's to get up every day. You know, I, I always go back to the Bronx Tale. You ever see the Bronx Tale? Long time ago, yeah. Okay. Well, when Colosio, who is getting sucked into that life of um, the mafia about stealing and and all this gambling and doing that stuff, his yeah. dad was a bus driver, and his and his dad said the tough guy is the man who goes to work every day. That's the tough guy, and I believe that that is true. And those are the things that we are not teaching our younger people now that you have duties as a man and it's different for a man and a woman. It's totally different. 
a man is hardwired. A man, I think, is born with the hardwired belief that you your job is to work and provide. Now, whether you live that life, you know, I don't. I, I can't tell you why some people don't live that life and why some people do. I think that's internal. That may be life experience stuff. But I mean, even when I was going through my toughest times, people tell me now, we had no idea you were going through that. I'm like, of course you didn't, because I had a job to do. I had a duty that I had to perform. You know, when we needed more money, I went out and worked 15-hour shifts on the weekends, you know, at DJs. I mean, you knew I worked there. I didn't want to do it. I was 45 years old, 42 years. I didn't want to do that, but I had to do it, you know, and I did it, and and I did it because it was my responsibility and my duty as, as a man and as a father and as a husband at the time. That's what I needed to do. I think that is getting blurred. I think with social media, everyone, everyone wants to get rich quick and they're forgetting that there's no such thing as getting rich quick. It just doesn't happen. Hard work put into the right direction will make you successful. I think it kind of goes back to the point you said before when you were talking about working with the kids and your goal was to help them understand it's not about that start and the finish. It's about that spot in the middle. And I tell mm-hmm. them all the time, I'm like, listen, successful people do what they have to do, whether they feel like it or not. It's when you're losing weight. It, like, yeah, the goal is pretty. That's what we're striving for. But if you don't do the work that's needed to get there, you won't get there. And it's not the, the middle. Goal. Exactly. The middle. It's the middle. And it's not the goal yeah. that makes you happy or makes you a better person. It was the journey that you took to get there. And I right. think when you take the challenges out of people's lives, there's no like rite of passage. There's no journey. There's no, it, there, there's no growth, right? right. Um, wh- what do you think is, is missing and, and uh, men could do on their own time, out of school, out of work, um, to improve that, that, that like to light that fire, you know, I like, I, I just see, oh, they don't have that fire. You know, you're a football coach. You've been a football coach for 20 something years. You know, how important is it to, to like be disciplined? Like what are some well, lessons on the football field that, you know, as a coach, you know, like. Well, that's different though. Sam, I'm, uh, that's different. Go for being it. a le- being a leader of men is different than doing it yourself. Like you said, how does someone do it? Some as an individual do it outside of work and outside of whatever. That's an individual thing. You know, I think that's very difficult for a lot of people because they're not willing to be uncomfortable. You have to set a goal and give, do something that you know is going to make you uncomfortable. And you have to put, like I put that, that note on, on, the, uh, on the thing about quitting pouches. It's in your mind. You have to fight. Your body has to be able to, your mind has to control your body. So if it is, I'm not going to, when I get home, every day I eat something. Okay, this week when I get home, I'm not going to eat. And be sell you, tell yourself you're going to feel uncomfortable. Like you have to prepare yourself for those things. You know, you're, it's always better to your mind. If you can talk yourself into it, I'm going to be uncomfortable. So I just got to deal with that uncomfortable in the that uncomfortableness in the moment. So as an individual, I would say change one thing in your life. Do something you don't want to do. Do something you know that's not going to make you comfortable and then consciously prepare yourself to feel the uncomfort that you're going to feel and then you could deal with it better. And that's pretty much how I go about stuff. You know, I have things I don't want to do. You know, I, I just got I, anything I do. I've already done it in my head. 
I, my wife was like, why do you do that? Be in the moment. I'm like, for me, that is being in the moment. Like, if you tell me I'm going out on Saturday at 7 p.m., I've had my entire day prepared two days before, and this is ex exactly what I know I have to do. So if you can prepare yourself in your mind that you're going to be uncomfortable, you're not going to feel good, your stomach's going to growl, you may get a headache, you can deal with it rather than have it pop up in a moment and then you react to that because you haven't thought about it and prepared for it. So that was what I, that's what I would say to an individual that's, that needs to try to change something in life. You have to prepare yourself. Set yourself up for how it's going to feel. And then you have already you've already won half the battle by not being surprised about what's going to happen to you. Then your mind can say, okay, I knew this was going to happen, and now I'm going to fight through it. That's the next step. Then you got to fight through it. And what I've noticed in my lifetime, with you know, people come to me all the time at work about dieting and working out. And what can I do for my son? He wants to gain weight, blah, 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 blah. There's no quick fix to it. It's got to be over time, and it's got to be consistent. So when they ask me all this stuff, I'm like, you have to change your entire life. You can't live the way you're living and expect anything to change. You have to change your life. And most people can't do it because it becomes uncomfortable. But if you prepare yourself, okay, I'm going to change my life. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be miserable for a little bit. But if I can talk myself through it and prepare for it prior, it won't be as bad when it happens. And then you have a much greater chance of making it through that, that situation. So for you, um, so we got 10 minutes left on this Zoom, but we'll, we'll hit up another one. I'll end this one and then we'll hit another one. But uh, for you, what is, throughout life, you know, what are some challenges that you maybe have presented yourself that have continued to keep you mentally sharp, mentally sound, mentally resilient? Well, like daily it, things. It doesn't have to be anything big, but. It, change, it changes through my lifetime as I've gotten older. Okay. You know, now that, now that I'm 53, you know, the things that I was able to get away with, not get away with, the things I was able to do at 43 are different than the things I was able to do at 33 and 23. So it's changed. So age has definitely made me be more aware of my body because it takes more to get the same results. So my big struggle was why aren't I getting the same results that I used to get until I recognize that that's not clear thinking. I'm setting myself up for failure. Like, I don't lift heavy anymore. You know, I'm not a big, strong, I'm a slow, controlled, less is more kind of a guy when I'm in the weight room now. Um, back in the day when I was young, it was, you know, balls to the wall. I'm lifting, you know, chest, shoulders, tries, back, bites, legs, nonstop, like three different body parts. In that, but because I could at 20 years old and 25, you know, so the challenges that I put myself forth now, for me, it's it's food. Because I think when you start to age, nutrition plays a much greater part. You can't, you know, you can't outwork a bad diet, you know, and that's the most important thing. But I also find that's the most important, that's the most difficult thing for people um, that are older to deal with because they're so used to eating a certain way and it, it's comfort for them and they've never struggled. Like I've always restricted my food my entire, like my entire adult life, like my lunches used to be a can of tuna right out of the can. I would drain the water and just eat it right out of the can. People are like, how are you doing that? Part of it was maybe ego. I can do it and you can't. But that worked for me. You know, that worked for me. So my the way I challenge myself, like right now, I'm, I'm struggling between. I'm coming out of the wintertime. I'm more relaxed in the wintertime. You know, so I put on some weight. I'm trying to find the best balance. 
but I recognize what I'm starting. I'm looking at this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, go back to your basics. You know what to do. Do what works for you. Now, if I have to go in, like I've recognized now that I don't have to do 15 sets of chest anymore. You know, six, seven, done. And I feel much better when I leave the gym. Um, I have some injuries now because of all my years of working out, like a wrist and a shoulder and a knee problem, but I'm working around those. You know, I'm like, I'm just going to work around those until I can't anymore. Um, so I'm usually uncomfortable. Like I was just listening to one of your podcasts about how you're aching and pain in all the time. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. me. I'm the same exact way, but I'm like, this is the state of life I've always lived. I've never been comfortable, whether it's mentally, emotionally, or physically. I've never been that way. I'm, I'm much better now, thanks to my wife. Thank God we're together. You know, she's giving me peace and calmed me down. But as far as, you know, mentally and physically, I'm never comfortable. So, never. It's, yeah, I, I did a, a short episode on pain. Um, I don't remember if it was only an Instagram post or a podcast. If it was a podcast, I'll tag it below in the description. It was, it was a podcast on Instagram, I think I saw. It was a story, your story. Oh, okay, yeah. So I must have done a full podcast about it. Um, so, yeah, so there's two different types of pain, and pain. People don't understand this, and I think it's important for people to understand this because it doesn't just involve fitness. It involves freaking everything in life, whether you're trying to be right. successful in business, as a parent, whatever the case may be. Um, you have the, the pain, like in, in the fitness example, right? Uh, if you sit down on your ass and you rot on the couch, like you're still going to be in pain, right? But Absolutely. That, that pain sucks. I'd rather be in pain from working out and sore because I'm going to be more functional. I'm going to be right. able to live a life and stronger. There's no people have this like weird um, belief that like you can get out of pain, whether it's physical, mental, spiritual, emotional. Like it, no pain just evolves and it changes over time. And you manage it. You manage, you manage it. it. Yeah, right. you learn to manage. You learn to work with it. Um, and I think right. that's a big thing. Is I think people are scared to be like you said, uncomfortable. Like they are to be in pain. They're scared that, to challenge that, themselves. That's the number one thing that I see over and over again with friends and, and people I know, colleagues at work. They think they can do it. They may want to do it, but as soon as it gets uncomfortable, it's over. And, you know, this is from my upbringing. I've been uncomfortable my whole life. My dad made my life uncomfortable. He was never abusive to us, but he made us physically, emotionally, and mentally uncomfortable all the time just by his presence. So I grew up that way and it just carried over. Like it just carried over that I am never in a state of comfort. Like I'm always uncomfortable in my mind. Like if I'm sitting on the couch watching TV, which I love to do, I'm always thinking about the next thing I got to do. Like I have to do this next. So I'm preparing my mind to say, I got to do this next, you know? And I think, you know, from the, the, the trials and the tribulations that I've gone through in my life, the mind is the only thing that controls that. Nothing else controls it. You know, I, and when I was going through my divorce, I was popping Xanax to try and get through it. And I was like sitting on the couch. And I'm like, this is, I don't, this, I don't like the way I feel. It's taken away from who I am. I'm not working out as much. I'm, I have no interest in doing anything. It's getting me through my emotional issue, but it's making me mentally crazy because I know I'm not doing what I should be doing and what I want to do. So I stop, boom, done. And I'm like, that's it. I'm done with that because I'm going to go back to what makes me feel good. And that was getting back to the gym and eating right and doing the right thing. But I think people, you know, it takes a lot of mental fortitude to do that. And I think that's, you know, if you have that 
trait in you, it's a great thing. If you don't, you're going to struggle for a long time. You know? I do. I do think that that can be built, though. I've seen it happen over again. I mean, mm-hmm. my my you know my motto here is like you mentioned earlier before we hopped on is train your life to change your life because again, do do one thing. Do start one, with one thing. Start with one yeah. thing. Master that goddamn thing. Gain some discipline. And then you mm-hmm. do it over and over and over and over again. And before you know it, you'll be a self-sufficient, personally responsible, disciplined human being who gets shit right. done. Um, well, there, there are some adages that will never, never change. You have to practice to be perfect. You have to practice makes perfect. Now, you'll never get to perfect, but strive for it. You know, you may never reach perfect, but if you're striving for it, you're moving in the right direction. But if you practice one thing, if it's practice, I'm not going to eat that for lunch, I'm going to eat. So that's a practice. You're practicing to train your body to do and your mind to do something different than what you're comfortable with. The biggest downfall that I've seen, and I am no professional. This is just me through life. Is people can't they get too comfortable and don't have the mental and emotional fortitude to get out of it because they think they can and they overwhelm themselves and I'm going to eat this, this, and I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do spin classes. And, I, and I'm like, you're never going to survive that way. You can't do it. And especially if you've gone, if you're 40 something years old and you haven't done it before, you have to start with one little thing. And like you always said, go for a walk, go for a walk. I'm not a walker. I particularly hate walking, but go for a walk. You know, you know, and, and like my wife, she loves hiking and walking. I'm just not in that mindset yet. Like I'll do my boxing workout and I'll do the, the incline. I hate the incline treadmill, but I do that and I do my elliptical. But for me, cardio is a, is a challenge. I don't really like to do it. So rather than kill myself mentally, I cut back my food. Like I eat better. So now I don't feel so bad that I'm not doing, you know, all this cardio, but I've replaced it with changing my food. So, it changes over time is what I'm saying. Like when you're in your twenties and thirties and forties and fifties, it gets more difficult as you get older, but it is almost impossible. If you let yourself go that long, it's not impossible. It would be much more challenging to do it. If you let yourself go longer and longer and say, next year, I'll do it next year. I'll do it next year. I'll do it. Then you're, you've built up this entire thing that you are like, how am I going to get to the top of this mountain? One thing at a time. That's my best advice. One challenge at a time. It doesn't have to even be physical. Do something mental. Challenge yourself mentally. It's the process of being uncomfortable and working through it. And that is the most important thing to me. You can't live in a state of comfort all the time. It doesn't work. Nothing good comes out of being comfortable all the time. Agreed. You know, talking about being uncomfortable, um, you know, you were a football player majority of your, you know, younger and then high school life and college too. Yeah, until I got injured again. Yeah. Injured. And then you coached football for the last forever many years, you know. Mm-hmm. Talk about being uncomfortable, man. I mean, how did that shape you into a man? And, and how do you think – how important do you think it is for, like, young men to have leaders like coaches and mentors and physical – you know, challenges, fitness and stuff like that. Well, it's huge, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what, what made me a man was my father. Okay. That came, that came before everything else because he, he made me, he made all, we have three boys. So he made all of us be uncomfortable physically, mentally, emotionally, but never abusive. 
It was not abuse. In my mind, it was not, not abusive. But that is the first, he was the first person that made me become a man because I took that uncomfortableness and brought it into my weight training. I brought it into my conditioning training. I brought it into my eating when I was young in high school and through college. Like that is what gave me the ability, being uncomfortable mentally, emotionally, and physically gave me the ability to put all this energy and time into those three aspects of my life. And I did it like with singular focus, not to mention if I got below a B, I was grounded. So in school, if I didn't get a, a B, I was grounded. So it was, a, he made me this whole package of not, not just being singularly focused on one thing and just, he, he gave me all the things to be a man. Now, have I obviously tweaked it and what worked for me was great, but the principles were hard work, discipline, and doing things that make you uncomfortable. So I brought those into my, I played all sports. You know, I, I was just thinking about this the other day. I was thinking maybe you'd ask me, when did I start actually training? And I remember this because I was, it was the summer of seventh grade. I had a neighbor when I lived in Long Island. His name was Greg Pacifico. He was a high school student. And I was like, holy mackerel, this kid, he had great arms. He was built. He was, I'm like, I want to be like this kid. And he invited me to work out. We worked out in his bedroom with a window air conditioner and just a bench, an old school bench where the, where the poles were here and that you had to hold your hands out like this. Yeah. Death and trap. That, yeah. That was the first I got into lifting. Haven't stopped since. So he and was I just kept doing, he was my inspiration. He was well, your Rocky Balboa. Yes, he was. Yeah. And then Rocky became my Rocky Balboa too, because I wanted to be like him. You know, in Rocky Three, when I saw the Rocky Three, that transformation, I'm like, oh my God, how do I get like that? <laughs> and that's how it all started. As far as my my um, athletic career, I was singularly focused. I was an intrinsically motivated person. And I think you were talking about coaching. I think that's the biggest challenge for coaches is that there are not not every kid is intrinsically motivated to be successful and work hard. And one of my coaches, Coach Andel, who you know, he told me when I was coaching my first head coaching job, I called him up and like, I'm so frustrated. You know, I don't, he's like, he's like, Greg, the first thing you have to do as a coach is you have to understand that not everyone you coach is going to be like you. And when that clicked in my head, I was like, holy mackerel. Why am I, you know, feel down about this kid because he's not putting the effort forth but I was it was my effort that I was thinking he could put forth and not everyone can do that not just my but not everyone has the same level of effort and dedication I was singularly focused when I was you know my teenage years on sports but football in general so that discipline that I got as a young kid just carried over into everything and then I brought it into my coaching you know how I coached it was disciplined it was, it was fair, but kids knew exactly what was expected. And we didn't bench, we didn't veer off of it. There was no, okay, we'll let it go this time. It was, this is the way it's going to be done. And if you can't do it this way, then you got to make a decision. And, you know, some may say that's harsh, but you know what? 
that's what needs to be done in all aspects of life. There's a certain way that things need to be done. Now, not saying that I have all the answers or did it the right way, but it's what worked for my players because my players love being part of the program we put together. They loved it. Well, discipline, I mean, discipline, I, I don't, there's, it's not harsh, you know, discipline sets people free. Discipline but is. But you see how I have to clarify nowadays? I know, because people listening, you don't know if they're going to be offended or not, right? Yeah, they're like, I, like they, this guy's a nut job. But you can line up every player I've ever coached, not one kid will say anything negative, in regard, unless I, they got thrown off the team or quit. No, I think what you said earlier about just your teaching in general, you said these kids want to be disciplined. Mm -hmm. They want to be challenged. Like, why am I even in this damn classroom if I'm not going to challenge them? It's like, what's the point? Um, I think those kids, all the kids you coach probably looked up to you. I think uh, all the men you work with, all the coaches who worked on you, grown men, you know, they, mm -hmm. they only listen to you because that's how you ran things. Right. Um, and I think discipline sets people free. I think if you don't have any discipline, you don't get anything done. And then you're looking for answers from other people. And you're lost. Lost. You're lost. If you have no discipline in your in every aspect of your life, you're walking around lost. Now, that may seem harsh, but there are people, Sam, that can live in that world. I can't live in that world because that world, to me, is negative. It's not conducive to what I want to strive to be or the things that I want to do. It's just not conducive to that. Some people can live in that world. Some people how can. Do you get, yeah. How do you get them out of that world is, is the question. It is, you know, oh, man. 95% of that has to be them. They have to be the ones to initiate that. You know, I tell my wife all the time, I'm like, it doesn't matter when someone is going through something, whatever it is, if it's terrible, it's just a, a bad situation. No matter what you tell them, it could be the greatest advice in the world. If they're not ready to hear it and their mind is not ready to change, nothing you say is going to matter. It's got to come from that person. That person has to initiate the change. You can't talk people into change. You can suggest, you can lead them there, but eventually for them to be successful, it has to click in their brain that I'm the one that controls my success and, and how I can change myself. You know, and I think you do a great job of giving those the people you train the tools to do that. Like you're doing what I do in the classroom. You're giving these, these your, your uh, what do you call them, trainees? What do you call you? The people you train. Like my clients. <laughs> the clients, that's the word. You give your clients that those tools to say, okay, it's clicking in my brain now. Now it's up to me to do this stuff. And that's what I try to give my students. And that's what I try to give my players and my coaches. You have an idea as a coach. I never turned an idea down. I said, okay, you believe in this idea? You take care of it. You install it. You explain it. You do it. That's putting responsibility back on them. Because a lot are just like, you'll see the real You'll see the people that you want to be around, the people that fade away when you give them the responsibility, then you know it was just all talk. You know, but if you if you make them have accountability, I am open to anything. You want to do it, do it. It's on you. And see if, if you're gonna be willing, if you believe in what you're doing enough, you'll do it. If you don't believe in it, it's just words, you're not gonna follow through. That's another big thing I think is lacking now is is account personable personal accountability. I just, it's not fair, man. Like, like as a trainer, you know, like I wake up, you know, 5 a.m. in the morning, get to the gym at six, you know, I'm only there. Cause like, if someone's willing to work out, I should be willing to train them. You know, they're counting on right. me to be there. I show up on time. I'm there. You know, I will be there because I'm supposed to be there. It's the, right. it's your duty sign. It's your it's duty to be there. 
it's my duty. Now, taking this to like football analogies here, you know, you got players who have a duty on the field. Like it's like they are supposed to do it. And some days they don't want to do it. But as a coach, how how is how does football like metaphorically like how can you take some of the, like your coaching methods and apply them to a guy who maybe lost or he's kind of feeling down on himself you know like he might not be all there but um he wants to change and uh you know he yeah. he, he wants that you know what's something here's here's my here's have a plan have a plan express that plan to those i'll speak from football perspective and then you could translate it into the client trainer perspective have your plan express that plan explicitly to that person explain the challenges they're going to have. Explain that my job is to facilitate your success, but it has to be you. I can put you in a position to do the right thing. I can tell you what to do. I can show you what to do, but eventually I'm just a facilitator. I can't do it for you. And that is pretty much how I dealt with my players. I, I, I never believed I was the reason why anything happened because the fact of the matter is, the players are the ones that had the success. I just gave them the tools and facilitated and support that they needed. And once they started to see some success personally, that just makes everything blow up and it becomes contagious. You know, like I see the, the, the post from your gym with a bunch of people doing all these different drills, these different lifts and drills and things that is contagious. You know, when one person has success, and someone sees it, they're like, wow, I want that same success. What can I do to get that success as well? And that's our job, push them in that direction of how you can do it. How did So did coaching football at all, I mean, being around so many young men help you, like, parenting too? Like, did you take some – or is that two totally separate things? Like, you weren't really – you were more – parenting was different versus coaching. Like you said, set a plan, you know. Yeah, it? it's not different. It, it's, there's varying degrees. Because you're either this way or you're that way. You can't be, you can't turn it on and off. It's how I live my life. You know, my life is the same way. There's degrees of it, you know, like, but I, I basically raise my kids as a coach. I coach them how to be good kids. You know what I mean? I coach them how to do that. And there were times when I had to be stronger with them. There were times when I had to be softer with them, but the, the message was still the same. These are the things that I expect. These are the things you should be doing. And if you don't do those things, then there's going to be a consequence for it. You know, same thing on the football field. Same thing with players. You're going to lose playing time. You're going to, you know, you're going to be asked to get off the field. So I don't think you can turn it on and off. It's who I am, just different degrees based on the situation. And same thing with the teaching career. You like notice the Absolutely. same thing. I am a coach in the classroom. There's no other way. There's no other way around it. You can other teachers can talk circles around me as far as a curriculum and knowing about history, but put me in a classroom with a bunch of kids, and I'll have that thing running like a freaking freight train in a few months. It'll be a freight train. I want to play like a little like uh, not not like a game, but like an example game. All right. So like, say you got someone coming to you. He's he's 50 years old, and uh, he's Maybe just because this is like personal experience from you, like right. a lot of them, like just got through a divorce. Kids are grown up. They're adults. Um, yeah. You're coaching him real quick. 
You got like a five minute coaching session. What does that man do to get his shit together? I think well, that's the first thing because you did it. The, fir the first thing is, what are you looking to get out of this? There has to be a point, some accountability on that person's. They have to be. They have to have a clear thought. Now we, it may be scrambled, and put it together into a clear thought, but they have to have a reason to be there, to come to me. Like, what is it that you're looking to get out of this? Like, if you're looking, like, they need to have that already in their brain. They can't just come to you and say, to me and say, um, yeah, can you do this for me? Well, I can do a lot of things for you, but what is it that you want me to do for you? You have to come with the mindset, and I, I will facilitate that. I guess my question more so is like, um, you know, because people, like you said, like, you're not the answer. Like, I say this all the time, right? Like, uh, one of my favorite books is is titled, If You Meet the Buddha on the Road, Kill Him. The book is about, it's, I know, it's, my dad gave me that book, so there you go. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, it's about, like, you know, if you're always searching for the answer from other people, you'll never find it because they can only give you the information. You have to apply the information and learn, and you become the Buddha. Um, right. So from your personal experience, you know, uh, just in that age group, just because I'm actually getting a lot of men reaching out to me from, you know, 45 and older, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they want to get their shit back together. You know, say you were, had to do it all over again. Like, what are some of the steps like coaching yourself that right. that guy, that avatar could do to pick himself back? Like, What should men be doing in that later stage of life? You know, because I feel like there's, there's nobody. They don't talk to anybody. You know, you guys, I mean, you might right. talk to friends and stuff, but um I think it's important to hear from someone who's had that experience of, you know, that, that life changing chapter, you know, like what are some things that you need to keep focus on? What are some things that you should try and change? And just, well, I'm uh, going to tell you through, through my experience, what I found are the most important things in life. You have to have a job you love. Okay. And you have to, however you define this next word, you have to have a relationship that you're happy and happy being in because if one of those two things is out of whack because that's your whole that's really your whole life your job and your relationship right your job and your relationship takes up the most of your time no matter what that relationship whether it's with yourself with somebody else it doesn't matter if those two things are out of whack those are the things that impact that i'll speak personally that impacted my life the most okay going through a, a, a situation in my marriage getting divorced, that impacted me the most. But leading up to that, my relationship was not good. So when your relationship is not good, you look for other things to do to fulfill that part of your, your life. When you're in a good relationship, you're, you're peaceful in your soul. And when your soul is peaceful, you have the ability to make changes in your life. Now, that's not easy to do, Sam. It's no. not easy to do. Like, I'm sure you have guys that are coming to you 50 years old, let's assume they're still married, but they're out of shape. They've been this way for 25 years. The hardest thing to get them to understand is that it's going to take time, but it's got to be a change. You say it, change your life. You have to be willing to, everything you've known up to this point has to be changed. It's the only way to do it. There's no other way around it. You have to change your life. Because if you continue living the life the same way, you're not going to get any changes that you want. Now, getting to the gym is the first step, right? Like, but coming the next day or the next week when you're sore and you're tired and you're hungry and you're not feeling good and something bad happened at work or bad happened at home, 
that is when, if you can pull yourself up and come in those times, that is a huge mental boost to you in your mind that shit. I just went through this. I still went to the gym and got it done. That is the process. You know, that is the process. And when people are at their worst part, if they can take that next step to do what they're supposed to do, then that gets less difficult as time goes on. Everything gets less difficult as time goes on. The beginning will be the hardest part for someone who's 50 years old. Having that mentality of being able to change their, what am I going to do to change my life? I got to stop eating this way. I got to stop going to the bar. I got to stop smoking. I got to stop doing tobacco. I got to stop now marijuana is huge. I got to stop with the edibles and everything's okay. And you have to be willing to change your lifestyle. And that may, that may, you may have to exclude people in your life, you know, because those people don't care. They're not, they're going to be like, come on out, Greg, come out, let's go. We're going to the, we're going to watch the games at, at Buffalo Wild Wings on Sunday. I've never done that in my life, ever. And I never will. I never will. Because that's not what I want to do, you know. But I think the hardest thing for someone, they, Sam, this is something I don't think any of us can control. They have to have the mindset to start. And our job is to get them to continue. You know what I mean? They got to continue to do it. But they have to have the mindset. If they don't have the mindset to change, they're going to spin it. They may come and spin their wheels. I think it's, it's very hard to get people to change. Consistency, consistent. For me, consistent coaching, consistent behavior as a teacher, that gets people to start to, you know, move in the direction I want them to move in. But if that person is closed off for whatever reason, that's hard to change that. Very hard to change it. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I'm, sure I've had, I'm sure I've had kids, students that I couldn't reach no matter what I did. Couldn't reach them. There was nothing I was going to do. And that's okay, you know, because it's not 100% on me. No. You know what I mean? It's not 100% on me if a kid fails or, or I couldn't reach them. Forget about the academics part. They were a behavior issue or they were constantly being – if I can't reach them after I've tried everything, then I'm like, that's it. I have nothing I could do. And that's hard to do. But, you know, there are some – you have to accept it as a trainer, as a coach, as a teacher. You have to accept you can't reach everybody. No, you can't. I, I actually have this challenge with people sometimes I'm – when so people come into my office and they're like, yeah, I, I want to lose weight. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's great. That's cool. That's an aesthetic goal. But uh, I'll tell you right now, that's not strong enough of a goal for you to continue on this journey. Like, why do you want to lose weight? And they're right, like, right. oh, I just want to look good. I'm like, no, no, that this, it's just ain't it. Like, I'm not, we're not, work. I'm like, you're not going to give me money until you tell me really why you're going to do this. And right. then we start diving deeper. I'm like, okay, hold on a second. Okay. You're 55. You're on blood pressure meds. You have type two diabetes. Uh, you are severely overweight. Uh, you got two kids who are in their twenties. And uh, do you want to be alive for their grandkids? For your grandkids? Right. No. And the answer is always like, of course. I'm like, okay, well, that's your why. I'm like, right. It's, it's not. It's no longer. I want to look good. It's right. I want to be alive to play around with my grandkids. And that gets people off their ass to do things. Most of the time. So I think there are situations where it's a fear-based thing, mm -hmm. where it scares you so much that you, you get to work, or that goal has to be like so consuming in your brain to the point where you care so much more about that end goal than any immediate gratification ever. Right. Um, and that's 
that's discipline and sacrifice right there. Yes. But here here's a great here's a great term, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take credit for this. My wife. People, and I agree with this. I truly, truly believe this. People will only change for inspiration or desperation. That's pretty good. Right? Think about that. That's good. That's pretty inspiration, good. Inspiration or desperation are the only true reasons why people will ever change. Like, they may dabble. The guy that wants to, I just want to look better. That's not inspiration or desperation. That's just a selfish ego, you know, surface thing. People will truly change. And this only comes from them out of inspiration or desperation. And my wife told me that years ago, and she is freaking right on, man. Inspiration and desperation are the only true, true, I don't even know if it's motivations, true uh, states, states of mind that will get people to change. It's That's a good one, man. Did she trademark that? Because I might steal that. She it's, just... it's yours, man. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no. I mean, I don't... She's a she's a yoga teacher. She's all this, so she's into that whole mind body connection. Yeah. And I was never I was never into that stuff, like, not yet. But um, she told me that, and it's so true. When you think about, I I look back on my personal life, it was so true. Inspiration or desperation Every got time. me to do things I would never do, but positively. Now it could work. Yes, it could work negatively, I guess. But we're looking at the positive, like. Things that were going on, I, I did things out of inspiration or I did things out of desperation. And well, I, those are the things. Go ahead. I got a question for you. Um, I know um, how in your life have you been able – you are a – I mean, I've known you since I was a baby, right? Mm -hmm. And we haven't spent so much time together in life just because of my dad's weird situation. And, right. You know, whatever. But mm -hmm. anytime I was with you, you are the straight arrow guy. Like mm – -hmm. Straight hour guy. So inspiration and desperation are on two sides of a one-way road. Okay. Right. You walk that path straight, like pretty much to a freaking T. And mm -hmm. I see people, I see men specifically straying away from that. And like they don't want to go to work. They don't want to suffer. They don't want to have responsibility. Like, what how did you maintain well, the path, you know, when in desperate times or times of inspiration? You're oh my god that's, you know you're a robot right like you know yeah, you're a that's robot. a great question that's a great question i think it's my upbringing number one definitely my upbringing without a doubt my upbringing and then the other part is who i am it's my dna you know because my brothers may not be the same way as me same upbringing different dna you know so it's part your experience in life and it's part who you are you know, like, I'll never forget this. We won, you know, Coach Bova, right? Yeah. yeah. So he was coaching with us when we were on that run at, at Colts Neck. And I remember we won the semifinal game to make it to the state championship game. And everybody's going crazy. And everybody's jumping up and down. And he comes to me after the, in the, in the office. He goes, what's wrong with you? He goes, you're in the state finals. I said, yeah, I know. He goes, you're not excited? I'm like, I was taught that excitement, showing excitement is weakness. That's how my dad was. He never showed excitement. It, it, you're out of control. When you're out of control, that's weakness. So I tell this to my wife, to Kim all the time. I'm like, it's just who I am. I am this, this is how I exist through life. 
And when I do this, I never am up here and I'm never down there. You know, and I think that's helped me be able to navigate those, those inspiration, desperation, and the highs and lows in life. I never crashed and I never went to a level that I was so out of control with. I, I just live my life like this. Now, some people think it's boring, you know, but that's, to me, I would be uncomfortable any other way. I don't think it's boring. I don't know. I don't think it's boring. I don't know. If- I think in my early 20s, here's, I think in my, my earlier 20s, I, uh, I was too sporadic. You know, mm-hmm. I was, it was just media gratification, going out, partying, getting smashed, you know. But you had a lot of shit going on in your life, though, too, as a young kid, you know. I did. Like you saw a lot of stuff going on. I didn't see any of that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it was just, it was stable, pretty much, you know. It's true. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, my childhood was, I mean, if you're if you're in a bad house, I mean, that's a terrible house. I mean, that's just exactly a terrible house. Right. I mean, it was terrible. But in general, I always... I, I felt like I was, I should have been on a better path and mm-hmm. I didn't take any, I, I sat down, I told my, I told my dad this, I think on our last podcast, I was like, I was sitting down in our, in our house in the Highlands and I was like, I had a, a Y in the road. I was partying and getting smashed all the time and, mm-hmm. uh, and I was still working the whole time. I always had a job, you know, like right. I always had a job. Right. I was like, all right, Sam, you got two paths. You either continue this dumb path or you just walk the straight arrow. And I'll tell you, I'll be honest, life is easier when of course. you live a boring life. I agree. It is so much easier. And I, I just, I totally agree. I wish more people would understand. And I think social media has something to do with that. Like you always see the it does, but it's also people, individuals are so, so worse. Individuals are so different. You know, like people are so different. People think my life is boring. They, they, they can't, they would never be able to deal with it. To me, it's normal. You know what I mean? Like the guys that are always going out and running around and doing all this crazy stuff. To me, that would drive me insane. I would never be satisfied. I would never be at peace. Those people look at me and like, how do you live the way you live? You know, uh, they just don't understand it. So there's so many human dynamics involved in this that it's almost impossible to put your finger on it. Because there's so many different dynamics that go on between individuals, between men and women, between adults and kids. It's almost impossible to have it, to have it. There's no one true answer. You know, there's no one true answer to things. We're saying this stuff to you and me are having this, this back and forth. I understand everything you're saying. Everything you're saying resonates with me because I live my life that way. Everything I'm saying, some people that don't, Live their life like me, think I'm nuts, think I'm yeah. crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they all say, you know, everyone that knows me thinks I'm crazy. And I think I'm perfectly normal. They're all crazy. You know what I mean? That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Because so, my dad, my dad's the same way. You know, he growing up, my dad never showed emotion. Like he yeah. was the tin man. And he hates when I say that now, because now you know he he's evolved and he is more, you know, like I see him smile and laugh, you know? Like, right. Right. He and like, why is that, Sam? Why do you think that is? I think it's because he's out of that tornado of, of hell, man. Like he made it out. Relationship. Like, relationship, right? His relationship tortured him for a long period of time. Oh, yeah. Now that now that he's been out of that, or, you know, you know, the, a couple of relationships tortured him. Now that he's out of that, I talked to your dad. He's the happiest guy in the freaking world now. <laughs> Yo, it's insane. You know? He's his relationship with himself. It's so it's so funny because like um He's he's about to turn sixty and I'm twenty eight, you know, I'm going mm-hmm. on thirty, 
and uh i'm single and um i'm the happiest it's like i i it's me and him right now are the same individual it's scary i know and i see it scary i know it's crazy i see it i see your motivation your drive your desire and your view of the world is is becoming what your dad believes it's nuts more and more yeah i mean i'm trying to learn from him too and like his mistakes and maybe your sons are trying to like learn from you and your mistakes too um like for example for him and maybe he'll test this maybe not um I think he was more of a yes man than I am. I really started saying no a lot more often. Um, and I want your opinion on this. Like, do you think you should sometimes be selfish? Like, do you think that being selfish in life can be a positive thing? It depends on what your goals are. If being self, if, if you want to have a family and a wife and, and you're selfish, you got no chance. That no. would be, that would be wrong to do that to somebody else. But I'll give you an example. In 1993, I decided I'm going to compete in a bodybuilding competition. And it was in the competition, it was February of 94 when I decided that. The competition was July of 94. I closed myself off to everybody for six months. That's unsustainable if you want to have a normal life. Oh, yeah. Can't do it. Can't do it. Now, there's a level of selfishness that is, I believe, totally acceptable. Because if you don't feel good about yourself, and you're not going to feel good about anything. So, you know, you could be extremely selfish and you're, you're an a-hole and you're just a mean human being. But if you turn your selfishness on to yourself and beyond being selfish for myself, for positive things, not to the extreme, because you can't be in any extremes. That's another thing we can talk about. I agree. You can't be, you can't be to an extreme. I agree. You can't be a yes man, and you can't be only me man. Yeah. And my, Kim and I talk about this all the time. Everything is the middle. Everything good in life happens in the middle. It doesn't happen in the extremes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you could be extremely happy about something, but that's going to go away. Eventually, that goes away. If you're extremely unhappy, you can't sustain that type of life. So if you can find with everything, working out, relationships, um, seeing your friends, having alcohol, uh, spending time with your family, if you can find a a medium of that, I think everyone does well in, in the middle, in the middle of everything. If you can find the medium, you can't be extreme. You can't live your life in the extremes. And that's one of the things I find with a lot of my colleagues at work that are always looking, you know, can you write me up a workout? Can you tell me what do I have to do? I'm like, stop living in the extreme. You're extreme by going out every weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and eating and drinking your face off. And then you cut it all out on Monday? Like, that doesn't work. Because then by Thursday, you want to go to the other extreme because you cut yourself off so to so far of an extreme during the week that you can't take it. And now you want to go do the same thing on the weekend. So my goal is if my my belief is if you can live life in the middle, not all the time, but always come back to that middle, then I think you're going to be pretty satisfied with your life. Yeah, super important. Um, super important because most people do have these extremes, whether it's and you see it all the time, man. Like it, I know whether it's like, I mean, 
I I don't like getting political on the like for this because it doesn't really well, benefit anybody. That's, but that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, we'll do another podcast on that. But uh, like you see, the extremes are the worst in everything. Yeah. The diet world, they're the worst. You know, the fitness world, they're the worst. The extremes is where injuries happen. You know, the diet world is where most um, people go nuts. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, I I do think there's there is beauty in that the middle. I think there's beauty, but I think it's a fluctuation. You know, I think sometimes you're on sides and. And I think you have Absolutely. to, and I think most people actually would benefit sometimes too going to those extremes. Like we talked about earlier about being uncomfortable. So I yeah. think there's times in your life where you have to push yourself out of that, that middle ground. But if your majority of your life is flowing through that middle ground. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Flowing through that middle, through that middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what you're saying. And, and um, I believe that being selfish in the aspect of physical health, and Absolutely. maybe you can attest to this, like at times in your life, maybe when you fell off the fitness wagon, maybe you mm-hmm. found it harder to be a good dad, a good teacher. Oh, uh, my God. Has been. So how, oh my God. Been, oh how my important God. has that been in your life? We got five minutes. Yeah. I want to end on All this because right. you're passionate about this because you've had fitness in your life forever. And, you know, I'm the trainer guy. So how has that impacted you? Oh, my God. I, you just you just reminded me. I remember coaching was always my downfall. Because when I was coaching, I couldn't work out. I had no time, no energy. And food became my, my emotional support. And I used to go up to 210, 212 pounds. But I found that that made me miserable in life. It made me miserable. It made me, I felt good because I was fulfilling, you know, this, this tiredness and this worn down and this no time and aggravation and challenges with coaching and teaching and time management that I would eat and then I would, because I couldn't work out, I would just say, you know, screw it. I'm just going to, I'll just eat and I'll worry about it when the season ends, but it never worked well. It never worked out well because then I would, you're right. It affected me emotionally and mentally that I was definitely not the best human being I could be during those times. I don't have those fluctuations anymore. Um, A lot of it was what was going on in my life at the time, but I don't have that's changed because I don't have those fluctuations anymore, you know, and, and I do believe that. I mean, even now coming out of the winter, I'm probably about 10 pounds heavier than I should be. I'm not as happy as and as um, comfortable as I am, as I'll be a couple of months from now. Now, I'm trying to change that. And my goal in retirement is to change my entire way I look at that life. I got two more years and I'm getting out of it because of the reasons we've talked about. The political. The yeah, I, I can't. I can't do it anymore. Yeah, it's the you same. My dad, relationship, I think. But you're exactly right. When I was out of shape and not working out and not taking care of myself, I was not the best person I could be, without a doubt. And, and which just is, simple which extended over to other people. And yeah. like you said, simply, you don't even do cardio. You just you restrict what you eat. You really? lift weights, and you prioritize those things, and you make sure you get them done, and you feel a hundred times. Right hundred times better. Like what is your current routine right now? Like, what are you doing? So right now I am doing, I'm going back to what works for me. So I, I do like maybe an hour of cardio. Um, I work out four days a week, you know, but I'm, I do chest always on Monday. You know that. So I <laughs> do chest Tuesday. I'll do my, either the boxing workout or walk on the treadmill or do my elliptical here. Wednesday I do, and now, again, I used to be so much more strict to this, with this, but I'm not as strict as now because it drives me insane. Yeah. But, but then I'll do um, 
back and tries, then I'll do cardio the next day. So I'm, lift, I'm doing some kind of physical activity. I will be doing some kind of physical activity um, six days a week. But that that's what I like. I, it's funny that you say it because I just put my entire calendar, March, April, May calendar together, workout calendar today. I'm like, I got to go back to normal because I was trying full body workouts. I was trying push legs. I can't do it. It doesn't work for me mentally. I, I can't. When I train a body part, if I know I'm doing chest shows and tries, I can't. It overloads me. I can't do it. So I'm going back to what I know what works. But on the flip, on the flip side of that, my diet is the most important thing to me. You know what I mean? Like I fast every day. You know, I go from I won't eat anything after 8 p.m. till noon. Yeah. And some like on the weekends, most of the time I eat one meal a day. You know. Yeah. But I think it's it, it doesn't. But it doesn't work as well as it used to when I was younger. I'm still, I'm still struggling a little bit on why I'm not losing as much as I used to. But you know, it is what it is at this point. Maybe we'll have a side conversation about the nutrition. I can help you out a little bit. Well, I have all your stuff downloaded. I look at it all the time. Do you? I read, awesome. your, I read your Sam's Eating Guide. I have it on my phone actually. I freaking love it. I love it. But we can't. I can't make it a little bit more. If you're really trying to shred up, I can help you. Help you out for sure, uh, dude. I'm not shredding up. Come on, we need to I, I want to get down. I want to get down to 180. I'm 189. That's why I, I, I range between 188 and 192. I want to get down to one, 180. That's my goal. And I usually get I get close to that in the summertime because I have more freedom to work out. I'm more consistent with my workouts. I eat less because it's hot. I don't like to be hot, you know. So I eat less. It's a whole freaking process. It's a whole process. Listen, this has been awesome. We got one minute left. Uh, okay. I would definitely want to keep doing this in the future. You know, I was, anytime you're willing to hop on, you know, these people are going to love this, man. Like, just shoot me a text, whatever. I said, I said, uh, before we hopped on and recorded, I said, you know, so many people look up to these big name guys out there, but the, most of these people are charlatans, you know, most of these I people. I agree. I think there's more wisdom in the everyday person. So is it, we got 30 seconds. Any last thing you want to say, real quick? No, I mean, I have, uh, I'm a unique individual in my mind. I don't know if that's egotistical or not, but I just think that I live my life a certain way and it's from my upbringing and it's from myself. It's who I am as a DNA. And I, and I think that you have to be balanced in life. If you're not balanced in life, you're in big trouble. You know? There it you is. Have to you heard it there. We got six seconds. Get strong, stay strong, fam. Until next time. Peace.